if you were here last week, or if you weren't here, I should say, last week, Chris led us right up to this point where Jonah's running and running and running, and you saw some of that on the video there. And uh, that, actually, that map is very accurate, actually. That's, uh, he started somewhere east of what we call Israel today and ended up somewhere in the vicinity of the Rock of Gibraltar. That's a long ways away uh, through the Mediterranean there. Um, and uh, we just saw last week how he, he, it took him right to the point where he was running and running and running. He was on a ship. The guys on the ship figured out he was the cause of the big storm. They threw him into the ocean. And that's where we pick up the biblical narrative of Jonah. Some really interesting stuff going on with this. And let me just, uh, let me just get you there with all of that. But let me, let me begin, though, by saying this. There are dark moments in any of our lives. We stop and think about that, and and they will either cause us to recalibrate where we are, or we might keep on running, disobeying, not listening to God. That's where Jonah is at this particular time. And that's where we pick up, as I said, this this biblical narrative. But I want you to to know something. Um, Different people need different things. And here's the bottom line. When God sets his sights on you and your possibly lack of obedience or not being grateful or or maybe outright disobedience in terms of how you're living your life, um, you can run and you can hide, you can disavow, you can ignore, you can get bitter, you can get mad, you can get grumpy. But he's going to win because he's God. And uh, just know that as we we launch into this... uh, Second season, second part of, of, of the book of, of, of Jonah. And um, we pick it up in, at the end, the last verse of chapter 1. And it's a real simple verse. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish three days and three nights. Now immediately, I hear your alarms going off. You're saying, well, Rich, do you think this could be literal? Could this, could this really happen? So here's what I did, thinking of you. Um, I went, I'm, become a, I'm a tech expert now. I've really come a long way in the last 10 years. I, 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 I just know so much. I'm even tweeting now. I'm a Twitter. Twi- tw- uh, tw- tweeting. I'm tweeting. I'm in Twitter and I'm tweeting. I don't know how to say that. Um, but that's what I'm doing anyway. You can follow me. I need some more followers. The Rev Rich. Okay, that's what you need. And I got some, that's, that's, my, that's my handle and I got some great tweets for you. Um, but because of my technological my newly acquired technological prowess, um, I decided, was there, has there been a guy in, in modern history, or even, even since Jonah, who was swallowed by a whale? And, and the reason I did that is because I kept reading, I read three or four commentaries. I have like a whole bunch of them on my, on my iPad of commentaries. To be honest with you, I have some downloaded, some that I use off the web, and I don't always know which one they are, but I, I just I enjoy reading them, usually late at night. I got insomnia, it puts me to sleep. Anyway, so I'm reading a few commentaries, and... Um, I kept reading this, some, some, some learned guys that I know that I like to read, uh, and, and some of them you know, were talking about this guy, and they named his name in the 1800s, and he was a whale, and he fell off the whaling ship, and a, 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 you know, a whale swallowed him and spit him up you know, a day or two later. It didn't spit him up. They caught the whale, they cut him open, and they found this guy. And this was repeated like three times in different, different, totally different commentaries from different eras. And I'm thinking, this is great, so I Google it. And I know, I know now that sometimes there are certain things like this that end up as sort of what we call urban, urban legend type things. So I'm just praying, God, help us to be true. I want this to be true. Help this to be true. And so I start Googling, and I come to this thing. <sighs> it said fiction. 
and said it was somebody made up the tale, and you know how it gets repeated and repeated and repeated, and, and uh, pretty soon people believe it. Well, it's not true. So I don't have that. I, I got nothing for you, right? Um, been a couple of instances where the, a couple of dogs were, were swallowed and later on were found inside a whale and still alive. There were, those were some real instances, but not people. So the question goes back to this whole thing. Um, could this happen? I've got to tell you something. Here's my answer right here. My answer is based on a quote from Mrs. Einstein. Somebody asked Mrs. Einstein, Dr. Einstein's wife one time, do you understand Dr. Einstein's mathematical equations? She replied, no, but I understand Dr. Einstein. Isn't that good? Do I understand the amazing, sometimes counterintuitive, counterlogical things that God does and continues to do? No, I don't understand it. But I know God. I'm getting to know Him better every day. <laughs> and I've seen God do some life-changing, mind-blowing things just in my lifetime. I've seen God totally transform bigots. Told the story a few times, probably maybe you didn't hear about the guy, deputy sheriff, Birmingham, Alabama, during the Bull Connor days. Bigot. Total bigot. Proud of it. I saw God change his life. I saw him hug black people, <laughs> which to him was a huge thing. Changed his heart as he came to faith in Christ. Amazing. And you have to really be there. It sounds like a stupid thing, but it was an amazing thing. I've seen God transform bigots, users, abusers, cheaters, haters, losers, drunks, fornicators. I've seen God change people whose family had given up on them. Family had given up on them. And I've seen God change their life. And I've had family say to me, he's faking. He's not faking. You'll see. And over a period of years, they're like, oh, wow. Who is this guy? I said, he's a guy changed by the grace of God. So if you ask me, can God create a fish to swallow up a man and spit him out three days later? That's a gimme. That's a gimme. That's a one-foot putt, okay? Anybody can do that. If you don't know what that gimme is. Anybody can do that. God can do, God can do that every day of the week. If he can change the lives of people dramatically, I just have, I don't have a problem with the big fish. I just don't have an issue with that. And you say, well, I think it's metaphorical. I think it's, I don't care. I believe it's real. And uh, I believe, I just don't think that's a big deal to God. So, let me just, he, he, he's done it so many times throughout history. So let's go back to Jonah. There you go. Um, God's greatest work is not creating a fish to swallow a man and hold him there for three days and vomit him up later. That God, that's not God's greatest work. God's greatest work is, is just changing these hate-spewing jerks into people of love and grace and, and compassion. That's God's greatest work. Now back to Jonah chapter 2. Next verse, verse 1. He swallowed by this big fish that God made just for this purpose. From inside that fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. By the way, he's writing this after the fact. He's not, not writing a journal in the middle of being a fish, okay? Just so you know, he's not writing a journal. This is historically, he writes this after he, he comes back um, from this. Inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. 
Now, I want you to watch carefully this next language, this, this prose, the, the, how he's talking here, the emotion that's in these words. Watch this carefully because I can relate. I've never been swallowed by a fish. I don't even like fish except to eat them. And, um, but I can still relate to this, and you probably can too. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All the waves and the breakers swept over me. And I have said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Something happened here. Again, I can relate. I've I've felt I have been in the depths. I've been drowning. Not literally, but figuratively, where you just feel like barely keeping my head above the water. In my work or my finances or maybe emotionally. That's what he's talking about. In, in this case, it's literal, but we could, take, we, could, we could relate in so many different ways. But watch what happens when he says the last part of verse 4. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. This is the guy that just a few moments ago, sleeping in the, in the hold of the ship, was saying, I don't want to hear God. I don't want to listen to God. I don't want anything to do with God. I'm running from God. I want, all of a sudden, now he's saying, I, I, I want to look at your temple. I, I, I want to feel the presence of God again. Yes, he's in trouble. And we'll address that in a moment. But he said, I want to feel the presence of God. Keep reading. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me, Jonah says. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. The earth beneath barred me in. It's like I was underneath the lowest rock. And you, God, you brought me back. We can relate. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. I'll worship you, Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Isn't that great? There's a lot here. I want to pick out four lessons for us that we can learn from this. Very simple, yet very profound. Number one, it's always better just to obey God from the beginning. I mean, this isn't rocket science. It's always better just to obey God. Listen to what, just listen to what the Lord's... In other words, don't disobey God. Don't do things that the Bible says, that God says don't do, because there, there'll, there'll be consequences for that. You know, here's the thing. Jonah chose to ignore God. He chose to ignore God. We do the same when we choose to ignore God, and we do it in different ways, possibly. Probably, we probably haven't heard God tell us to go to Nineveh to speak or to preach or whatever. But I guarantee you, we've all done this. We've chosen to ignore God sometimes because of busyness in our culture. We just get just just pounded with stuff to do. And and some of it we can't change. Part of it's our job. Part of it's our kids. Part of it's our life. And and, and we we choose that. And we we need to deal with that. We need to figure out ways to deal with that. I was having lunch today with some friends this week. And a lady, one of the, one of the people there, a woman, gets a phone call. And, you know, like any of us, you, you check, see who it is, whatever. And somebody said, well, who is that? And um, 
She said, oh, it's my phone call from God. And I said, excuse me? And um, I'm a minister. I don't get called by God, you know. <laughs> Who the heck are you? Because, because here's the thing. Um, I also know what it relates, and I'll come back to that in just a second, but I also know what... what I mean, this happened to me. The same, along the same line, happened. This, I don't know, this is last, not last week, week before last, I was meeting somebody in my, uh, my outdoor, my summer office, which is table 31 on the patio. And um, that's my table. You can't have it. And uh, I was meeting someone there, and it was like 5 o'clock at night in the afternoon, and I, I just sat down, and, it, and, the thought, and this thought hit me. It's a terrible thought. The thought hit me. At my iPad, I was, I was there a little early, which I try to be usually, and the thought hit me. Lord, I have been running and gunning all day long since like 6 a.m., meeting, doing this, whatever. And I, hadn't had, I haven't had one thought about you. That's terrible. I'm a freaking pastor. I get paid to think about God, you know? Um, and, but, but more than that, obviously, it just really grieved my spirit, my heart. That's you know, like saying it like that. It just really grieved me. I'm like... You are just a dirt ball. Um, not God, me. And um, so I go back. So, so that's happening. I, then I'm with this lady, and she gets this, this call from God. And I said, now, what is this thing? And, uh, and it's called GoTandem.com. And uh, after this, I immediately signed up for this thing. It's free. And they feel it's a GoTandem.com. You go there, and, and they have all kinds of ways. They'll send you a text. They'll send you email. Or they'll call you on the phone. I signed up for all three because I need all three. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and it's just a little devotional, just a little, I get, a, I got, I just, at noon, I'll get my call from God. And, um, and it's just a little two, three, they read a couple of verses to you. And then they have just a little application thing, lovely voice. You know, it's great. It's terrific. It's wonderful. I just, for, for those of us, I'm going to say us, not everybody's in my category, but some of us may have a little touch of ADD from time to time, if you know what I mean. And, um, it just helps you refocus. I get four or five devotionals emailed to me every day. I don't read all of them. But I'll, read, I'll read at least one of them. Just, to, just because of the busyness of life, it's so easy just to kind of ignore God. This is exactly what Jonah did in a different way. So my point is this. Just, just learn to listen to God. Just learn to obey God. Don't choose busyness. You may not be able to change that, but you can do stuff to help you with that. You know, noise, always having noise. How you, how you spend your time, you, what, what time you do have. Maybe it's not much, but, you know, you get home and you, and you might have one night a week uh, an opportunity to, hey, I can just kick back and watch the Yankees, you know, or that other team. And, and, um, and you know, maybe I, maybe I don't need to turn on the Yankees or that other team. Maybe I just need to stop and be alone here for a few minutes, you know? Um, it's just getting our values Calibrated as opposed to having them out of calibration. Speaking of which, true story, less than two weeks ago, again, in my summer office, meeting a guy. And um, he said, oh, you know what? I had jury duty. I said, really? He said, yeah, just came from there. I didn't know that. I said, really? He said, yeah, you wouldn't believe what happened to him. I said, what happened? He said, well, he said, he's a hedge fund manager. And he said, I, two days ago, I, got, you know, I had my notice. I showed up. And I said, uh, listen, I didn't know when it was going to be. But I, I, I got, it's the last two weeks of the quarter. I got, I, I'm a hedge fund guy. I've got lots of stuff. I don't know what all that means, SEC, all kinds of stuff. I have lots of reports that I have to make the last two weeks of each quarter. And he said to the judge, judge, I'll come back any other time. I just can't do that right now. And the judge said, this is your civic responsibility. You are staying here, you know. And um, 
gave him a little lecture or whatever. And uh, the guy said, he appealed to him three times. The judge said, you know, sit down and shut up. And um, basically, I'm almost like that, actually. And, um, and I'm sure the judge, I'm not blaming them. I'm sure they hear everything, you know. So my friend said, okay. And then he got chosen for the jury. He got chosen for the jury. And he's like, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> last two weeks of June. And uh, so he, the next day he comes back in, he says to the bailiff, he says, bailiff, I, I'm a hedge fund manager. I got, I got, you know, yada, 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 yada. And he says, plus I got Yankee tickets on the 20th. And the bailiff says, this is, this is honestly going to be true. The bailiff says, you have Yankee tickets? <laughs> he says, wait right here for a minute. And he goes, tells the judge, says, bring you into my chambers. He says, you didn't tell me you had Yankee tickets. <laughs> this is true. This is true. And, and the judge said to him, look, I can't let you off. That's just wrong. He said, but if, if this trial goes to the 20th, I'm just going to we'll have a recess for that day. You can, you can use your Yankee tickets. Justice at work, people. Anyway, <laughs> amazing story. I said, I said, are you exaggerating? He said, I'm not exaggerating. He's not the kind of guy. He's not like me. He doesn't exaggerate. And uh, here's my point before we get mad at the, at the judicial system or whatever. We've all done the same type of thing where we realign, to, we realign everything else to accommodate something that has a lot less value than what's really important. We've all done it. I got Yankee tickets literally or figuratively. Now I therefore need to change this around, change this around. And we do that in our lives all the time to the point where we miss what's really important. We choose to disobey. We choose to ignore God in areas that we shouldn't. So, it's just better to listen to God from the beginning. That's the first thing. Second thing, prayers get real and honest when we start sinking. Isn't that the truth? When you, start, when you start drowning, well, you, we're going to stay with that metaphor for now. Um, man, you can start praying hard. I've been in some tough times, and all of a sudden my prayer life gets even better. Let me go back a couple, a couple steps, first of all, because one of the questions that always comes up, and I, I'm not, I don't have time to address the whole thing, but I think it's important we just touch on it. Uh, why do we pray anyway? You know, you know, God's going to help us. Well, the main reason we pray is because God tells us to. And God wants a relationship with us. And and, uh, Jesus said this in in the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark, keep alert and pray, otherwise temptation will overpower you, for though the spirit is willing enough, the body is weak. We we, we need prayer in our life to keep us from yielding to temptation, whatever that might be. And that could be in the form of many different kinds of things. I don't know what your chosen flavor of the month is type of temptation or sin might be, but whatever it is, you know, we need to pray for God to help us not to yield to that. Great writer Oswald Chambers said this, we have not the remotest conception of what is done by our prayers, nor, ha- nor have we the right, and I would use the word, I would say ability, to try and examine and understand it all. All we know is that Jesus Christ laid all stress on prayer, and he did. Do you realize that in the New Testament alone, by my search, and I, it's, hard to, it's hard to refine these searches uh, on my software, uh, Logos, Logos.com, great Bible software. My software, I, I search it 66 times in the New Testament. It says pray always or pray at all times. 66 times. I think it's more than that, actually, but that's, that's what I came up with in my search. 66 times. It's a lot. 
And the thing that always comes out because, I mean, here's, here's Jonah. He's sinking, literally sinking. He's literally drowning. And all of a sudden, he's become a prayer warrior. I get this question, if not every week, every month, that I had it Wednesday afternoon. A couple kids in trouble, uh, one of their sons, big time trouble, big time trouble. Uh, 20 years old or so, with uh, any, every way you can be in trouble. Dad says to me, and we're talking, and he says, for the first time in my life, Rich, today, I prayed. About my age. About my age. Can you believe First time in my life, I prayed. He said, that's wrong, isn't it? I said, are you freaking kidding me? No, that's not wrong. He said, well, yeah. I said, yes, you should have been praying before. Yes, you should pray at all times. Yes, you should pray in the good times, not just the bad. Yeah, I understand all that. But there's nothing wrong with going to God when you're really hurting. Are you kidding no, of course it's not wrong. It's the right thing to do. So don't, don't you know, listen, you go through those tough times and you really start praying a lot. Don't feel guilty for that. Sometimes that's what God, that's what God uses to get our attention, he uses some of those tough times that we go through to get our attention. That's certainly what happened with Jonah. I, even, I think it's a good idea, though, to remember those times, whether you want to journal or whether you want to get a momentum of, uh, to, to kind of remind you of that. This is, um, this is my bag. I've had this bag since 20,000. This, this is my bag I carry everywhere I go. Um, um, it's got my, usually has my, it has my computer in it, usually has my iPad in it, and it's got, yeah, I got everything. I usually want to look in here. Please don't look in here. It's, it's, it's dark. And um, <laughs> it's got my, like, my meds, my prescription stuff. Um, yeah, you know, that's not anything serious, but I mean, uh, uh, I've got a little Advil in there, you know, all that kind of stuff. Here's the point. I bought this bag in 2000. Downtown Denver, Colorado, one of the great cities of the world. I was drowning badly. I didn't know if I was going to get out. I it's hard to talk about. It. I mean, I'm not an emotional guy, and it's hard for me to talk about it without getting kind of, you know, weepy. Um, but I said to Charlene at the time, I said, um, I want to buy, I'm going to get something that I keep with me most of the time to remind me of what I'm going through to help remind me how to pray. Because I was praying a lot, <laughs> effectively. And there's hardly a day that goes by when I pick up my bag that I don't think about remembering where I bought it and when in the year 2000. And it just helps me, it helps me focus. It helps me, Lord, thanks for bringing me through that. Thank you that I'm not in that now, that I'm in a much better place. But help, and, and then it just, it just stimulates other prayers from there, of thanksgiving. It's nice to have something like that, a little momentum, a little, you know, somebody tells me they put a little something on their screen or their, on their computer screen just to kind of remind a little cross or something, just to remind them, to help them focus and, and refocus. So, so that's one of the things, just, just pray. Prayers get real honest um, when we start sinking. Oh, I didn't give you, I want to give you a C.S. Lewis, I'll, I'll leave this point, but I'm going to give you a C.S. Lewis quote real, real quickly, because this is just too good to, to miss. What seem our worst prayers may really be in God's eyes our best. Those, I mean, which are least supported by devotional feeling. For these may come from a deeper level than feeling. God sometimes uses, sometimes seems to speak to us most intimately when he catches us as if it were off our guard. That's what's happened. And that's why it's nice to have stuff to remind us to pray. So it's better just to listen to God from the beginning. Prayers get real and honest when we're, when, we're, when we're sinking. Number three, it's never too late to turn to the Lord. It's never too late. 
You're never too bad. You're never too low. You never can sin too much. There's no unpardonable sin as long as you're coming to Christ for forgiveness. There is not any unpardonable sin. It's, it's, all, about, it's all about grace. Now, there, there might be a lot of consequences that's going to make your life miserable, but you can still always come to Christ. You know, it's, it's, it, it, grace means that there's nothing I can do to earn the favor of God. There's nothing I can do. It's, it's simply a matter of casting myself at the, feet of the cro- at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord Jesus, I'm trusting you with every fiber that's in me for, for, for forgiveness, for eternal life, for abundant life. And it's trusting what Christ did for you when he went to the cross and died and then rose again. It's just grace. It's just, it's just faith plus nothing. It's never too late. We have a men's study that we have every Wednesday night. We're meeting through the summer. I asked them if they wanted to do that, and they were very outspoken. They wanted to do that. We meet a Wednesday night at uh, 8 o'clock. Had a party this past week. One of the guys hosted us in his patio. Great time. We had beer and brats. You know, brats, whatever. Um, so I asked them to recount, just different guys, to recount what happened this year. But, but you know, what can you tell us? Shallow, deep, whatever. And there, was, there was deep stuff. There was funny stuff. It was sad stuff, but one of, one of the things that came out, which is something that we really started camping on in the winter, and it just kept coming up, and that is this statement right here. You can never out the grace of God. You have a lot of consequences. You may end up in jail, but, you, but as far as God is concerned, you can never out the grace of God. Can't do it. He's always there. You can always come back to Him. And that's an amazing thing. Can't out the grace of God. So it's never too late to turn to God. Three things so far. It's better just to trust God, just to obey God from the beginning. Prayers get real and honest when we're sinking. It's never too late to turn to the Lord. Fourth thing, God has creative ways of getting our attention. With Jonah, it was a fish. It was the ocean, then a fish. And when God sets his sights on you, you can, you know, you can run, you can hide, you can disavow, you can ignore, you can get bitter, you can get mad, you can get grumpy but he's going to win. Listen. This is, this is some of the best writing I've ever done right here. When you don't listen and you disobey God, you end up running from God. When you run from God, you end up in a nasty storm. When you end up in a nasty storm, you end up in some yucky, fishy-smelling boat. When you end up in a fishy-smelling boat, you end up with a, some rough-necked fisherman. When you end up with some rough-necked fisherman, they look at you and they decide to throw you in the ocean. When you get thrown in the ocean, you, get up, you end up getting swallowed by a whale. When you get swallowed by a whale, you'll end up eventually being vomited up. Don't be a big fish's vomit. Just start listening to God and doing what He says. Huh? <laughs> oh, gosh, that's good. Um, let me pause for just a moment and say something very, 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 very important. If you think that the only way God gets our attention is through going through tough times, you would be wrong, and I don't want you to take that away from here. That's what happened with Jonah. That's what happens with me a few times. That's what happened with you a few times. But you know what? Sometimes God gets our attention through the great things of life. Some of the greatest moments of great praise and thanksgiving I've had in my life so when, 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 my, when my kids were born. I got married. Kids were born. Great, great, greatest times. Anniversaries. We stop and just, God, 
I usually, I'm just, I don't know how you do it, but God, I love you so much for putting up with me for another year. It's great when grandkids are born. I've been walking on a golf course before, and no, no joke, I'm mean, playing horribly, which I'm getting better, but I've been on a golf course, no joke, I've been on a golf course before playing horribly, but I stop and look around and I just think, thank you, Jesus, for the blessings of life, to be able to be in your beautiful creation. Sometimes God gets our attention, not just through tough things, but through some wonderful things. Pay attention. Let that stimulate your prayer life. It's a great thing. So how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to listen to God more? How am I going to listen to God better? You're going to have to get a plan, okay? And um, you say, what do you mean a plan? First of all, you need to get intentional. That's the first thing, getting a plan. You need to get intentional about deepening or exploring your journey of faith. For some of you, it's deepening it. So for some of you, it's just you're still exploring. Fine, get a plan. Get intentional about that. Decide, what am I going to do here? Am I going to read this? Or am I going to you know, do this or do this? Take some, take some thoughts. You know, part of that might be the second part, which is some, get some people around you with similar views. You don't have to agree on everything. I need to agree probably on the fact that you believe the Bible is you know, the, bo- the book we believe for faith. People who believe in... God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, you know, you know just, just some basics. Um, some people around you with similar values. That's, what, that's, the purpose, that's one of the purposes of what we have groups right now. A lot of them are on hiatus because of the summer or, or on scaled-down schedules, and, and that, that happens, but we've got more coming in the fall. Um, that's, what, that's the value. It's not just to get in a group. It's to help you, help you, help you through life. Putting life together, somebody else can speak into your life, and you speak into them. Get intentional about deepening or exploring your journey of faith. Get people around you with similar values. And just get into the habit of staying calibrated. Whatever that means for you, just get into the habit of staying calibrated. Whether that be through text or emails or, 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 or a book that you read or a group that you talk with, just get in that. It, it, it involves one word that I don't like to use, but I'm going to use it. It's called discipline. Some disciplines of the faith that we all need. It's also called turning off your phone during church. That's always helpful as well. <laughs> Um, between the lights and phones going off. I hope you get something out of this. No, I know you will. Get intentional, get people get, get, get in your life, and get in the habit of staying calibrated. I have a prayer. that I, want, I don't normally read prayers, but we're gonna, I'm going to read a prayer. And you're going to pray this prayer with me. Okay? And um, it comes from a, a book called The Valley of Vision, a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. Just get this. This prayer was written... <laughs> In the 1700s, and listen now, I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to pray it as our closing prayer. You're just going to pray it in your heart. I'll, I'll say it out loud. You just pray it in your heart silently. But um, here's the prayer. Lord, help me, <clears throat> for I am often lukewarm and chill. Unbelief mars my confidence. Sin makes me forget thee. Let the weeds that grow in my soul be cut at their roots. Grant me to know that I truly live only when I live in thee, that all else is trifling. Thy presence alone can make me holy, devout, strong, and happy. Abide in me, gracious God. Love that prayer. Let me pray it again. Just pray it and you just, along with me, make it your prayer. Lord, help me. For I'm often lukewarm and chill. And unbelief at times mars my confidence and sin 
makes me forget about you. Let the weeds that grow in my soul be cut at their roots. Grant me to know that I, I truly live only when I live in thee, that all else is trifling. Thy presence alone, thy presence alone can make me holy and devout and strong and happy. Abide in me, gracious God. Amen.